0: I'm Brett Samuels and welcome to episode four of the Open Mic Marketing Podcast. As well as being your host, I'm also Managing Director of Law Creative, a multi-award winning integrated marketing agency. This podcast is coming to you from our brand new Hearts Podcast Studio in Leafy Harpenden, Hertfordshire. In this episode, I'm joined by Law Creative Group Account Director, Luke Brayton, to discuss social styles. It's a really interesting topic for anyone looking to improve their communication and provides a great framework to firstly identify your style and also the styles of others so that we can communicate more effectively with friends, family and colleagues. Luke, welcome to the show. Hi Brett, thank you for having me. So today we are talking about social styles. So could you tell everyone what we mean when we say social styles?
1: Social styles is a framework for a communication tool set or a communication approach. It's been developed over the last 10, 15 years or so in particular, and there's four main aspects to social styles. So you have the analytical style, the driver style, the amiable style, and the expressive style. And typically, a person fits into one of those four styles, and there's some common ways that they might communicate or think and, and act so it's it's a framework called social styles that's used to support and give you some tools to hopefully improve communication and kind of relationships with people
0: and having worked with you for a while Luke I can probably guess yours but tell me tell me which one you fit into so Brett this probably comes as no surprise
1: to you um, to find that I'm the analytical style. And this is one of the reasons why I, I quite like social styles is when I first came across this sort of probably five, ten years ago now, you know, I carried out the quiz and it gave me these results and I'm like, yeah, this is definitely me. Typically described as logical, thoughtful, I like to think things through. So it's quite rare, even if you might want a very immediate response from me, I'm the sort of person that would normally like to take a, a bit of time just to look at it from several different perspectives. And make sure that I'm coming back with an answer, sort of evidence with facts and details. I'm quite comfortable with ambiguity in the context that I'd be looking for a solution or a way to kind of solve a problem. So I'm I'm quite task oriented, comfortable either working with others or on my own, but generally kind of, say, quite well organized, going step by step, working through
0: things. And as I said, I've kind of described myself, I think, quite accurately in the And obviously there's the three other types of social style. Are there any that you would find difficult to work with or is it just that you have to recognise what they are and and what the drivers are?
1: Yeah, potentially. And I think, so this is the point of social styles is the ability to kind of flex and adapt your style to support a bi-directional conversation with others. So, you know, we have the phrase in life, treat others how you would like to be treated yourself. Actually, with social styles, it's treat others how they would like to be treated. I if there's somebody who is a different style, and for example, the expressive style is the, the sort of the polar opposite to me, you know, an expressive and an analytical, you're gonna think and behave potentially quite differently. And if you can't flex your styles, so either they flex towards you or vice versa, that's where breakdown and communication can happen. And quite often it can be people looking actually or trying to work towards the same objective but just something's broken down in the words being used or the mannerisms so analytical style and expressive are polar opposites so analytical it's thinking about the logic the cautiousness we want to be careful on it and around it expressive is very much about feelings so expressive people you'll know how they're feeling whether that's positive or negative they love to have fun they'll quite often turn disaster into humor They're you're outgoing quite charismatic so they're they're good to be around they're great storytellers they get very excited so they'll be all about the feeling and i'll be all about the task and the logic and you can sort of see there in the two different styles we've described there's not a lot of similarities and so that is an example where you might find some challenges and likewise between driver and, and amiable again they're polar opposites i should say as well there isn't a best style or a worst style they are so just a communication framework to help you understand who you are in your default settings how others might also be thinking particularly those people that use a different style to you and therefore just give you some tips and some tools and some things you can maybe try as said to flex your style towards the other persons
0: so do you think the art of social styles is in the understanding of them and then also the ability to flex to the people that you're speaking to
1: Yeah, and I think the flexing is the most important part of that. So, you know, if you think about perhaps some of the best communicators or the best speakers that you might know or have observed, generally they'll be flexing and they're perhaps doing it intuitively. So I don't think you need to know social styles to be able to flex your style, to be able to build up rapport with others. So for me, social styles just helped give me a framework. I actually quite like communication to try and be as intuitive as possible. I felt when I was learning social styles and also some other communication theories that the risk there is that you can then begin to overthink and overprocess. the risk that you start a conversation and at the back of your mind you're already thinking well is this person analytical driver or expressive or amiable and if they're amiable and I'm analytical how is the best way that I should be talking to them and of course you've then completely broken the golden rule of conversation is that you should be listening. And so I think for me, with conversations, with communication, the, the first bit is, is trying to be present in the moment with the other person, making sure you're truly listening. And then it's when, oh, actually, hang on, they're saying something and I don't quite understand what they're saying or what I want to get across isn't being understood in the way that I wanted it to be understood. That's when I'll perhaps dip into my tool bag you know, social styles and I think, well, actually, if this person's amiable and therefore i might want to ask them a question about the work and its impact on them as an individual so shift from sort of taking it as a you know logical and we need to do this because and if we do this x equals y etc and just move it into a look this is how from a personal perspective this is how i think you could add value to this project etc so you can shift your styles a little bit to support that communication but I, i tend to reach for this if i'm struggling if I'm not struggling and communication's nice and intuitive and easygoing, then great. That's the goal, really.
0: So you, it, it feels like you almost use it as a, as a kind of troubleshooting tool to help frame or reference some of the interactions that you've had with other people, whether they're clients or, or team members. Yeah, definitely.
1: And both from a personal perspective and from a team perspective. And you'll find that people who are the same style will tend to think quite similarly. So, for example, if a client is a driver style client, it's sometimes good, therefore, to have a driver style account manager working alongside them that you get that rapport. So there's a similar way of acting and behaving. So, yes, from a personal perspective, if I'm thinking, gosh, I sent an email and I was asking for this and the response I got was not what I was expected or I've generated an answer that wasn't the answer I wanted, I might look at it from a personal
0: point of view, but also, I think, from a team structure and you mentioned there around matching up complementary social styles with one another and i think that that works really well and you also mentioned that some of the social styles that maybe not clash but but have very kind of different views what's your perspective on building teams and should they be a mixture of these or should they be similar or or what's your thoughts i think ideally you want
1: a mix of the social styles in your team, I think the risk is if you have a like a, an over reliance on or a dominance of of one style, everybody will think quite similarly, and therefore you might not get as well rounded or as kind of a creative set of solutions as you might want. The different styles will bring a slightly different thinking and and creative approach to work and to tasks, etc. And I'm a big fan of playing to strengths. I think you know, yes, it is quite useful to know weaknesses as well. But for me, the main focus is always on, well, let's play to strengths. So if I'm working on a project and I know that the client is going to be particularly focused on a set of deadlines and they're going to want to be kept heavily up to date with reporting material and information about how we're proceeding against tasks and milestones, etc. Well, I would probably want a driver style person leading that project. So you can match up a little bit within your team based on your relationships with suppliers, clients, etc. And I think you want a mix in your team as well. The more styles you've got in your team and the more unique your individuals are, the better the overall kind of creativity and the ideas and you avoid the risk of
0: stale thinking or things becoming too narrow. It's really interesting, you mentioned the focus on strengths and I think that's absolutely the right approach to take. The, the only slight caveat I know, when I interview people, one of the questions I ask is you know, what are you worst at, which isn't designed to trip people up although some people give me some some fairly choice looks sometimes but actually the reason for that is to look at where people aren't strongest and either I suppose support them with getting better with with those strengths or to build a team that really complements each other because I think you're right it's not a good team when everyone has the same point of view you need to cultivate teams that have got a, a mixed view and a broad perspective on things
1: That's right. And I think if you ask somebody their weaknesses, as long as they're upfront and honest with you, I think it's in their own interest as well. So again, I would use myself as an example. I'm somebody who's quite risk adverse and I like to have enough time to weigh up opinions and views. So I think I would struggle on an account where somebody wanted instant decisions one after the other after the other and also wanted to, to take quite a lot of risk. It just wouldn't sit comfortably with me. So I think knowing your weaknesses is useful, but then the kind of the flip for that is me, well, is that an area that I necessarily want to try and develop? Do I suddenly want to learn how to take massive risk? It's like, not really, because that would feel quite alien to me. Therefore, what what are my strengths? And if these are my strengths, therefore, what's the role or the account or the type of work that would most suit me? And I think your point about the team structure is, for me, I think it's essential that you have a mix of styles and therein becomes the challenge, because if you've got a mix of styles and people who perhaps haven't learned to flex their style, that's when you can perhaps have the increasing conflicts. So I think it's right that people should feel comfortable and be able to challenge their colleagues with ideas and different ways of doing things, because that's where the innovation comes from. But you need something around it that keeps it always, say, a, you know, objectively focused. And it's about how can we do things better Whereas it's quite easy for people to feel sometimes like they're being personally attacked. Like if you challenge my way of doing something, it can feel like it's an attack on me. Whereas so if if you can utilize some of the tools around social styles, it's actually, can I find a way to communicate with you in a way that you kind of understand? And most of the time, whenever you unpick a, an argument or a disagreement or a conflict that's happened, you find actually people have had a similar point of view
0: it's just fallen apart with the words or the phrases or the tone that they've been using. So it sounds like you've got some experience of of that, Luke, and I imagine you would have in your role. When did you first become interested in, in social styles and communication techniques?
1: So that's a really interesting question. And I think really for me, the journey actually began probably about two or three years after I first became a manager. And the reason for that was the penny dropped one day was that actually I wasn't being a particularly great, or effective manager. And I was probably quite annoying to work for quite a few people. When you become a manager for the first time, you've been promoted because you've become a subject matter expert, or you've done a series of tasks, or you've, you've kind of worked in a certain way that's been acknowledged. And the recognition is that you've been promoted into a more senior role. And then all of a sudden, you've got people that you're responsible for people that are reporting into you. So I remember very clearly my mindset at the time as well, okay, this is what worked for me, this is how I was successful, so I want you to work in this way, I want you to think like me, I want you to act like me, I want you to deliver in the same way that worked for me. And I was like that probably for about two or three years, and scratching my head thinking, oh, being a manager is really hard work, you know, what are all these people doing, what is it that they're coming up with, and why can't I find someone like me? And then the penny drops, it's actually, I'm the one that needs to grow and develop, that Actually, these people are all bringing value and they've all got input to add, but we work in different ways because we think in different ways. I'm the one that needs to sort of flex my style and, and I'm the one that needs to kind of make sure that they have an environment and a structure that allows them to get their ideas across and, and allows them to thrive and to flourish. And that wasn't an overnight turnaround, but that was the start of the journey. Probably about 15 years ago now, I began looking at a coaching techniques and different communication style techniques. I was fortunate where I was working at the time as well. I had invested quite heavily in a learning and development department. So again, there were some good opportunities for me to learn. But so I got, I got interested in it when I realised I wasn't being a particularly effective manager.
0: <laughs> so we've talked a bit about social styles. And you mentioned some of the other communication practices that you'd looked at. What, what, what other ones were they? So social styles I like because so you've got those four
1: main quadrants. And I find that easy enough to remember and you can dip in and dip out of there's a little bit more to it as well but generally it's an easy one to hold in the, my memory mm-hmm. i've also looked at neuro linguistic programming which is nlp i like nlp a, a lot as well but it's it's quite complex and there's a few key phrases from that that i still really value so what one of their presuppositions is you cannot not communicate and i love that as a sentence and that literally sums up everything about communication you you cannot not communicate so how you appear when you first walk into the office you know are your shoulders sloping and you're looking down or are you standing tall and proud when you're speaking how do you sound are you mumbling or are you kind of clear uh, you know even what you're wearing if you come in wearing shorts and crocs or if you come in wearing a, a sharp suit everything about your actions your behavior is giving off communication people will be perceiving and thinking about you and making judgments on you based on how you act, how you look, what you say, etc. So some of the NLP aspects I really enjoy. NLP also covers kinesthetic, visual and auditory in terms of communication styles. So whether people predominantly uh, learn and communicate visually, so they might use phrases like I see, or it might be I hear for auditory, or it might be I feel for kinesthetic. Again, there's, there's quite a degree within NLP and I just can't remember it all and I can't bring it all back. And as I was saying, the, the thing that I felt was important is the ability to sit and listen. And if, again, at the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, am I in rapport? Or are they looking upwards? Therefore, are they visual? Or that I'm no longer listening and I'm, I'm kind of thinking too much. The other one that I enjoyed as well, and, and this was useful for me in terms of learning a bit more about myself, was Myers-Briggs. There's a good website, I think it's 16personalities.com. And again, there's some interesting things in there that you can find out about yourself. That was good, but as I said, there's also 16 or 15 other personalities and 15 is a lot more to remember than four. So social styles again um, became the more practical for me.
0: So when you're managing people and, and particularly in the current situation that, that we're in where a lot of that communication is done digitally now how do you manage a team where there is a mix of social styles
1: differently there isn't a one size fits all and so social styles is generally about communication styles within each individual there's kind of more two people in terms of personal styles motivations goals etc so people can be at different stages of their career for example there isn't a single way to manage and support people I think What I found with teams, particularly when you're in a team, uh, you know, in a team meeting or a team call, it's trying to make sure that everybody feels included, giving everybody the chance or the opportunity to say and discuss. But likewise, also knowing that there might be people in that meeting that feel uncomfortable or don't want to vocalise something up front, maybe in, in front of their colleagues. So it's been tougher remotely and via Teams because you're just looking at the head and shoulders of the person on a 2D screen and you're not getting the same signals that you would get if you're face to face with somebody. That said, there's still things you can obviously pick up on. You you can pick up on things from emails and and just written text as well. And I think the pandemic has made things tricky, particularly for people who are maybe more extroverted. So people that would normally get energy from being around and with other people, I suspect they've found the pandemic a lot harder than um, maybe people who are more introverted, who are more comfortable with their own thoughts.
0: It's interesting you mentioned introverts and extroverts because I think you're right from a being extroverted you know you want to kind of spend time with people and have that collaboration I'm sure that's something that people have missed I suppose the flip side of that with with the introverts is that whilst they might like working in a home environment more I find that particularly on some of the bigger group calls it's quite hard then to to kind of get their opinions and actually introverts have have amazing kind of ideas and opinions but it's it's really our job to kind of tease those out so what what's your you kind of yeah. feeling on that
1: i'm smiling a little bit as you're asking me that question i was on a course with about 20 other people and we were doing an observed task i can't remember exactly what the task was but very quickly the extroverts and the people that like to take control so myself included in that so from social styles it's typically your analytics and your drivers like to kind of um control and direct things and we're at the whiteboard and you're trying to talk louder than the other person next to you to make sure that your voice is being heard and that your opinions coming across and it was kind of chaos those of us that were speaking were getting a little bit frustrated with each other and we totally failed the task. It was just awful. The learning team that had been observing us afterwards, you know, started to ask, how did you feel? How, you know, going around talking to different people. And then they started to talk to some people who'd been quite quiet. Uh, and they, you know, how do you feel? And said so the people who had been quiet, the introverts, were like, oh, I felt really uncomfortable. And, and you started to feel, oh, no, I've, you know, I've, I've made somebody feel uncomfortable, which was never my intention. And then they asked some of the introverts, you know, and did you have a solution for this? And, Pretty much all of them had really strong solutions. I still remember the feeling and that jaw-dropping moment. It's just like, oh, what I needed to do as somebody who likes to perhaps take control is make sure that you're hearing the views and opinions of everybody else in the room. So the person who was quiet wasn't quiet because they weren't interested. They were just quiet because they didn't have an opportunity to speak. That was a big, wow, actually, I, it sounds awful even saying it now, but that just hadn't occurred to me. Either. My own head, again, it goes back to, well, if somebody you know is quiet, I just assume they're not interested or they're not thinking like me. I want to be involved, therefore I'm going to say stuff. There's a huge role, I think, for leaders to make sure that people feel included and that there's that opportunity for often these really great or amazing creative ideas or creative solutions to come from all people.
0: It's interesting, but you, you remind me of a recent workshop that you and I did where we were doing a a big group exercise. There was 25 quite senior clients on the call. And we took the decision about halfway through to do a written exercise, which when you're doing a, a big group call is really uncomfortable to all sit for 10 minutes in complete silence. But actually, the, the output that we got from it was really good because it was written, everyone got their their opportunity to yep. to have their opinion. It worked really well.
1: Yeah, it did. I agree with you. It definitely felt <laughs> awkward being on the team's call when, uh, you know, it suddenly goes quiet. And you're like, Well, I hope they're working on their task and I hope it's going to come back okay. But I 100% agree with you. I think the thing it did well is it then meant everybody was included. And on that call was, you know, a mix of people for whom English perhaps wasn't their first language, so actually speaking in a workshop maybe was more challenging, but given that opportunity to write things down, it made sure that everything was was heard. I think we got a lot more insight from that because we got everybody's opinion and we got a lot more than we would have, I think, if we'd have just continued asking the questions. So it's funny how many things I think on my own journey you kind of learn from because you realise you've maybe made a mistake or there's a better way of doing things. And that was certainly one of them for me. It's just making sure that, you know, you give everybody the chance to speak and perhaps the worst thing you can do is be talking over others and again it comes back it's like look the, the art of conversation and communication that's why listening is so fundamental
0: and Luke you mentioned your own journey and do you think that people's social styles can change for example whether that's age or, or experience so I think your social styles will definitely change when
1: you're under stress and pressure I definitely move from analytical to driver. When I'm feeling that, you know, there's a, a lot of deadlines looming and there's some challenges, I'll switch. So analytical, you, I'd normally start with a question, uh, you know, I'm working on this. Could you help me with this? Do you have time for this? It'll usually be question-based. As soon as I'm under pressure, I switch to, I need help me with this now. Please stop what you're doing. I need to speak to you. And I become very direct. And I'll, so I'll switch from analytical to driver style under pressure say I think most people do that you'll shift from your default style into one of the others so I've observed myself doing this several times and you think oh I'm feeling under pressure let's just go and get a quick breath of fresh air or something and so you can spot it in yourself and I think you can also spot it in your colleagues I think in terms of whether they change over time I think that's an interesting one I think generally I think you become a better communicator as you age and as you mature I think a gap in the education system is that communication isn't really taught and you kind of come from school, maybe through university or college, and then you end up in the workforce and and suddenly it's an environment that you're not necessarily prepared for and you've got people there from all ages and all backgrounds, etc. As you develop, you become a better communicator. I certainly, again, noticed with my own children, you know, that you spot your own bad habits in things that your children say and do you know, they'll suddenly come out with an expression, you think, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit rude. And then, then you realize, actually, that's what I'd say. That's mine in there. So I think you learn more as you get older and therefore you can adapt your style a little bit more. I think the better communicators, um, you know, the better leaders are perhaps doing that just intuitively. So you might meet somebody who's an amazing communicator and they've never heard of social styles, but they're excellent at flexing their style. And that's because they've learned to adapt how they're talking and what they're saying based on who their audience is. So I think you can learn to flex your style and I think you can become so good at that that you can mimic other styles but whether you've changed fundamentally I'm I'm not so sure on. So you'll shift when you're under stress and I think you can adapt to any other style as you learn and grow.
0: So you've worked with me for a while now so I am going to ask you what you think my style is because when I look at these and when you describe some of these to me I think, oh, I I see a bit of myself in that or you're right, at different times I'm like that or yeah, I I need to be like that sometimes. What do you think?
1: So so, uh, no pressure on me here then. (laughs) Firstly, I think you're somebody who can adapt your style. So I think you can, you move it into all of them. I have a feeling you are probably analytical and I would base that on, again, quite often we'll start with a question. In some of the team meetings when we're having the updates about law that there tends to be some questioning in there. There's thought and there's a level of detail actually similar to the level of detail that I like to have on things. I'd actually thought about this when I was first working on, you know, or I knew this podcast was coming up. There's amiable traits that you'll have. So again, you know, when we've been talking about, for example, the return to the office and the return to work, there's deep care about the effect on others but I think you can also move into both driving and
0: perhaps to an extent expressive. So I would say
1: probably analytical is your default. Yeah,
0: interesting. I wouldn't disagree with any of that. I think that's a, a, a good analysis. And I think when you're a manager and when you have to be responsible for, for others, I, I do think, you you know, to your point, you have to flex. And ultimately what you're trying to do is, is get the best out of everyone and, and try and create an environment that that they can operate and do their best work in it's just that sometimes you have to be you know more amiable and sometimes you have to be more analytical um, and and everything else in in between so no I think
1: yeah I I completely agree and that's that's what says treat others how they would like to be treated and so you know you adapt your style to them and that's what the better communicators do is they'll move their style they'll temporarily flex I think it's important within that you don't surrender your values though so what makes you you and the things that are important to you it's not that you give up on those and it's about your communication style and that's what social styles is it's a structure it's a, an overview and a process for communication styles
0: I think it's really important isn't it to to recognize other people and have self-awareness of of yourself and also other people and and their needs and their requirements and their styles. So I think it's a really great framework to use and I would definitely recommend that to anyone. What what's your your advice Luke for someone wanting to improve their communication skills?
1: Yeah, just before I go on to advice, you made me think of something, you know, in terms of that adaptation. I think when it's working well within a team, I think I mentioned at the start that polar opposite for analytical is expressive. There's someone in my team who I'm pretty sure is is the expressive style. But actually, she flexes quite well. She kind of understands how I think and vice versa. It means you can have a good level of communication in that. And, we'll, you know, we'll joke sometimes if I'm getting too detailed or she'll make me kind of come away from some of the detail that perhaps isn't needed. And I'll I'll sort of joke back, you know, what do you mean feelings? It's like, you know, we're just trying to get something done. What What do you mean happiness or sadness or feelings? Let's Let's just focus on the task. So I think once you understand your style and others, it kind of gives you quite you know, a fun sort of environment to play around with and and you're working with others to always solve problems and to get stuff done and also hopefully to enjoy the workplace and then the environment where you are. So in terms of your main question around where to start, I think the advantages of the age and society that we're in is that you can very quickly do a, a Google search and you'll be able to get hundreds of thousands of relevant pages and content. There's also quite a lot of online free learning, either through companies like maybe HubSpot or Google or LinkedIn. There's tools and places where you can go for online learning or even just to kind of read a synopsis of, uh, you know, what a course is. I think when you're doing that, you can begin to see, well, actually, I think this one looks interesting. I'm going to go in a bit more detail in this one. This one I'll maybe put on the reserve list for now. I think the important bit is the desire or it's that realisation that actually, my communication isn't as effective as I want it to be and I need to develop and grow as an individual to further my career or to improve how I converse with my friends or family or or, or whatever it is so I think you need that desire first then just start looking because so you'll find many results and some will jump out at you as ones that you want to explore a little bit more I'd also suggest you think about how you learn best so obviously I mentioned some of the online learning that's there With things like communication, you might also want to consider some classroom learning. You know, things like role-playing as as part of a communication development, I think, is important. If you're not doing that, if you are only learning online, then you have to remember to put things into practice. So when you're talking, again, with friends, colleagues, family, if, if there's things that you've been learning about, then you need to kind of try and put them into applied conversation. Another thing that I'd learned, again, mainly through NLP was rapport whether you can build sort of physical rapport with mirroring and matching. And it's quite a fun example when you can. It's like if you can build up rapport with people in the room, you know, if they're all leaning slightly backwards and you're in rapport with them, can you then lean forwards and then let's see if the other people in the room that you're in rapport with are also leaning forwards or can you cross your arms and see, see what happens? So there's quite a few opportunities that you can put things that you're learning into practice and maybe even have a little bit of fun with them in terms of exploring.
0: Luke? As ever, really, really interesting insights. Thanks so much for for coming on. And uh, yeah, we look forward to putting some of that in practice. You're very welcome. Thank you, Brett. I really enjoyed speaking to Luke this week. Social styles seems a great way to understand how you and those around you like to communicate. And whilst on its own, it might not be a silver bullet to 100% defect-free communication, it's a great tool to have to troubleshoot when communication might go awry. So that's it for another episode of Open Mic Marketing. See you next time.